We're starting a new series today that we're calling Basic Needs. Would you say that with me? One, two, three. Basic Needs. One more time. Basic Needs. And you want to just talk about the sovereignty and the powerful hand of God. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were, we were I, I got the pastors and some of the leaders in the church together. And just, you know, we were, we were kind of setting up for the, for the final quarter of the year. And Lord, what do you want us to minister? What do you want us to have? We don't, I don't just take, you know, some, uh, somebody's, you know, little design, you know, Bible study and, and try to preach to you guys from it. I'm asking God. We're crying out to God. And I'm not doing it by myself. The leaders and the pastors are involved in it with me. And so as we, as we sought the Lord, we were just weeping and crying before the Lord and seeking God's face. We kept getting this basic needs piece that came to us. And we're, the needs that each and every one of us have that God has put inside of us to be fulfilled. The basic needs that we have. And then just days after that blew my mind. All of a sudden I'm watching on television as people's homes are being flooded they're being evacuated and trucks are showing up and they're handing them water come on somebody they're handing them food and shelter and clothing trying to help them with their basic needs and i was blown away if god's hand wasn't at work in this whole thing then what is happening god knew beforehand the connection that he wanted to make and guys can i tell you some as we watch folks on television some of you have even been a part of helping and watch some of the news uh, broadcasts and things like that you see that it's not so important whether or not they got a new watch it doesn't really matter, come on now, whether or not they got a set of golf clubs. Right now, what people need is food. Come on, they need water. They need, sh- they need the basic needs. And when those are missing, obviously people's lives are in peril. Well, the same thing is true with our soul, the state of our soul. In fact, for this entire series, we've got a key verse that I'd like you to, to look at with me in 3 John chapter 1 in verse 2. And it says it like this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers, that, that you would prosper in all things, but even much more as your soul is pro- pro- prospering, which is growing, as your soul is growing, as you're becoming stronger and stronger. I'm praying, he's saying, uh, John is saying, I'm praying that your soul would prosper. I'm praying that you would grow in those areas of your soul that need to grow, that need to advance. And as we've been watching over the last few days, uh, people having their basic needs met, I don't know if you know this or not, but when it comes to like uh, food, for example, the average person can only go three, maybe four weeks without food before they die. The average person can go three, maybe four days without water before they die. And then the average person can only hold their breath for about three minutes without air before they die. No, no don't try that here in service today. That, that wouldn't be good for me. Uh, people start passing out. But, uh, but, but you see the things that have to happen for you to survive, for you to continue growing. In fact, some of us, like me, for example, I'm constantly growing. I'm just not growing upward. I'm growing outward. And it's because of the basic necessities. I'm either eating too much of them, come on somebody, or the wrong ones. And we each and every one of us have to have those basic needs met for not only our physical, but also for our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And God, in my opinion, put that into place. So uh, you know, psychologists say there are about 10 of these key elements that everyone need to have, to have a ba- the basic needs in their life met. And if they get those met, then they can be a viable part of our society. Uh, I've kind of cultivated a couple of them, put them all together, and we're going to go at four of them over the next four weeks. Number one, the first one we'll talk about today, security. Number two, intimacy. We need love. We need intimacy. Number three, we need purpose. Why are we on this planet? Why are we sucking air off out of the ozone? And then number four, community. 
community. We need to be a part of a community so that our life has meaning and sense. And as we jump into today and teaching about the basic needs, I wanted to try to illustrate that by using, um, by using uh, the way plants grow. Now, I am not a green thumb person. In fact, if I plant it, it's going to die. It's just going to happen. Because in my mind, plants exist for one reason, to feed me or to be cut down. I just enjoy the whole seeing weeds whacked. I mean, it's just so fun, right? And so, and so I'm not really good at it, but I do have the internet. Come on, somebody. And if it's on the internet, it's true, right? And so, I, so Jamie kind of helped me, and we went, and uh, Pastor Jonathan helped, and we got this planter box. And we're going to use this planter box for the next four weeks, and we're going to grow some stuff. Come on now, we're going to grow some stuff, and I know some of you are having flashbacks to your past. This is not marijuana plants. This is, um, this is, to me, there's a couple of you like, man, I like this church already. Wow. No, this is, in fact, won't you zoom in? Come help me. Pastor Jonathan's going to help me because I know you probably can't see it in the back. So we're going to kind of FaceTime with the box here and kind of put some plant. And so you can see the plants a little closer. So what we have is we've got uh, three tomato plants right here. And uh, that's that one on the end. Yes, show them that one. Ooh, see that? That's what we got right there. And then next to that is um, uh, marriage doolies. What are they called? Marigolds. Marigolds. You know I got a green thumb. I don't even know their names. And so when we were putting them in there, I asked my wife, I said, so why do we have to put the yellow things in there? She goes, I said, what are they going to grow? She said, I said, are they going to grow like, like, I don't know what's yellow, bananas? I mean, what are they going to grow? And she said, no, 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 they're there because they help uh, fight off the bugs from the other plants. I said, ooh, that'll preach. See, you and I need to be around some folks in our life so we can produce. That'll be beside, beside us helping us fight off the bugs so we can produce our life the way God. Ooh, watch out. I'm going to have to start preaching. And then so, so what we've got is we've got these three plants, these three tomato plants, are at this particular uh, uh, season of growth. They've already busted out of the seed, and now you have the stalk and whatever else. And our hope is that we'll actually produce some tomatoes by the end of the four weeks. That probably would be a miracle. And so to encourage the miracle, Miracle. I went to Home Depot and I got some, um, I, well, I got some fertilizer. I, to tell you how much I know about plants, I did not know that organic fertilizer, what that really meant. See, that's people who plant stuff right there. The rest of you are like, well, yeah, what does organic mean? You know, I'm thinking, you know, organic toothpaste. I don't know, coffee. I don't know what it means. And so I get it. And right here on this stage yesterday at five o'clock, I opened the giant bag of organic uh, soil, whatever they call it. And I dumped it in here, and the moment I opened it, I started, and for you guys that are like me who don't know what organic means, and I'm sorry, excuse my French, all that is is cow poop in the midst of some dirt. That's all organic means is that it's got droppings from animals, and you could smell it all throughout this church. About 10 o'clock last night, we're running around with spray stuff, trying to get the organic out, but we got it out. But I'm hoping that the organic is going to make miracles. And so today, what we've got is these plants at this, uh, th- at this stage of growth. And then we're going to also plant some beans. So let's show them our be- bean seeds so they know they're not real. Look, those look like Tic Tacs, don't they? They do. No. I told my little daughter, she was playing with them. And she said, Dad, can I eat these? I said, if you do, you're going to have, you're going to have a bean plant in your belly. She's like, uh-uh. I was like, no, I'm lying. I'm sorry. There goes the pastor right there. So we're going to plant these, and we'll check on them over the next few weeks and see how well they grow. And we're going to dig them down here. Got to get a little space in there. I'm going into the poop. Here we go, down deep into the poop. All right, and there they go. Can we get those? Can you see them? There's our little seeds right there. Grow. We bless you in Jesus' name. We bless you. 
grow, produce beans because we need some more tacos. All right, give it up for Pastor Jonathan. Help me out. So I'll put it on the screen for you. So we'll be watching the state of growth of these plants. And the reason why I wanted to use that as an illustration is because for you and I to grow, we've got to have some of our basic needs met as well. And so people get stifled in their growth as a Christian, just as a good human even, because they don't have some of the basic needs met. When it comes to plant life, I figured out the, ba- the four basic needs. And some of you may know this. It's air, that they've got to have good air. They've got to have water. They've got to have sunlight. And then they've got to have good soil to be in. And we're going to kind of connect those to the four basic things that we got to have. And we'll start today, as already uh, as pre-mentioned, we're going to start today with security. Would you say security for me? There you go. They come running. Look, here they come. Anyway, so let's define the word security for you for just a moment. Security is defined as freedom from fear of loss, a state of confidence and assurance. Freedom from the fear of loss, a state of confidence and assurance. Can I just explain to you, in my life, And in the lives of so many that I've interacted with, I find a lot of insecurity and not as much security as probably needs to be there. It would be kind of like if I took these plants and I gave them all the other resources that they need, all their basic needs, except I just didn't give them good air. I just, I just, I locked them, and I locked them back in a closet, and they didn't get have good airflow, and they, or, or we put them in the back of somebody's bar where they're smoking cigarettes the whole time. These things would not grow, even though they had some air. They didn't have the proper air, and it would stifle their growth. And can I tell you something? Many of us, including the pastor, have had these moments in our life where we just were so insecure, and the security that we needed was not there. It did not establish properly in our life. But I got good news. Come on, somebody we can actually grow in our security. Isn't that good? Somebody shout amen. And so the goal of today's message to help you identify that and start us moving forward. Security is so important, knowing who we are, being confident in who we are, uh, having the assurance that, that it can't be taken from us. Security is so important that we find that Jesus and God the Father had to have a security moment. So let's turn quickly to Mark chapter 1 and verse 9. Mark chapter 1, verse 9, all the way to verse 11, it says, And at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being ripped open or torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Verse 11, And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. I am pleased with you. Now, if you'll follow that storyline out, or if you'll follow the rest of the scriptures out, this is the first moment that Jesus, if you will, is established as a minister. We don't know much what happened between the ages of 12, 13, and 30. There's no documentation about it. There's no speaking about it in the scriptures. We find in this moment, Jesus is basically anointed, if you will, for ministry. And from this point forward, it says the Holy Spirit leads him out into the wilderness. And for 40 days, he didn't eat anything. Friend, he's past the three to four week mark. He should be dead. He is starving himself to death in a fast before the Father. But God supernaturally sustains him as he gets to the end of that. Satan himself, not a demon of lust, not a spirit of pride. Satan himself, the big cojona, shows up and begins to tempt Jesus. And the Bible tells us clearly that Jesus defeated him on every front. Where in the world did Jesus, or excuse me, why in the world did Jesus start it at this moment 
his ministry? Why is he tempted here and at another, not at another place? Why is this thing so important in the verses that are read? When he comes up out of the water, the heaven is ripped open, and God the Father says, This is my son whom I'm well pleased. See, friend, you got to understand, Jesus was 100% God, but he also was 100% man. And friend, just like you and I need security, Jesus needs security. So as he comes out of that water, on his way to be tempted, on his way to be established, on his way to start doing miracles, what had it to happen for Jesus, the same thing has to happen for you and me. He had to hear God the Father say, this is my boy, he's mine, I'm well pleased with him. And security came from the Father to the Son. And the Son said, let's go, Holy Ghost, let's go get him. And they went out in the wilderness and they beat the devil down. Why? Because he knew who he was. He knew why he was. He knew exactly why he was on this planet and he wasn't scared what Satan could do. So when Satan offered him all the nations of the world, he said, you big dummy, don't you know I already know who I am. I know who God the Father is. He and I are already safe and secure in our relationship. Friend, can I tell you, many of the bad things that are happening in mine and your life is because we're so insecure because we don't know who we are. We don't know our identity in Christ. We don't know what we represent. We don't know who represents us. We don't know who's got our back. And as a result of that insecurity, we make bad decisions. We end up in situations we should never end up in all out of insecurity. Are you with me? Say yes. You can do better than that. Say yes. So the father pauses time to speak security to the son. It's unbelievable that Jesus would need security spoken into his life. If Jesus needed it, me and I need it. Come on, you there? Say yes. I have a question for you, though. How often do you bring security to others? Or do you actually bring insecurity to others? Sir, do your, your kids scared for when you get home? Are they scared that they didn't do it right and you're going to lose your mind again and start cussing and yelling? Ma'am, is he worried that everybody that you're talking to on Facebook may be somebody you run off with? Do you bring security to the situation or do you bring insecurity to this? Is it never good enough for you? Do you cause those around you, those that work for you, those who work with you, those who, those who you give oversight, do they walk in security because of you or do they walk in insecurity because of you? Are they scared that they're going to fail you? Are they confident no matter what they do, you're still going to love them, support them, and have their back? Do they know that they know that they know that you're faithful to them? Can I explain something to you? Jamie and I have been married almost 25 years now. And I tell you, I love that woman with all of my heart. And I have, I have come to a place. And early on in my Christian walk, I was real insecure. Grew up, I didn't have pop in my life in those early stages of my development. My mom was married to a guy who beat on me and told me I was stupid. And the first couple teachers that I had, because I was so outgoing and crazy and acting a fool, told me I was dumb and, be, and whooped on me because they, you know, they couldn't get me to sit still long enough. And I'm telling you, it created a deep insecurity in me. But then Jesus came into my life and it started a process of learning to be secure in Christ. And I didn't have to get your opinion. I didn't have to get your approval. So by the time I got married to Jamie, that security had solidified in my life who Jesus was, who I was and what I was to do. And so as a result, I could bring security to her and she could bring security to me. I don't fear that she's talking to somebody on a phone. I'm not worried about all these other things. Not because I'm secure in her. Because here's the thing you need to understand. We all have a flesh. I don't trust your flesh. I I don't trust your flesh. I don't trust my flesh. I don't trust my wife's flesh. I don't trust my kids' flesh. What I trust is Christ in her. 
the hope of glory. What I trust in is that Jesus will expose anything that may be trying to harm her and pull her away from me and I can become aware of it and protect her and save her. What I'm putting my trust in is not her humanity, come on somebody, but I'm putting my trust in his supernatural ability to sustain our marriage and sustain us as individuals. And can I tell you something? That's why none of our pastors are ever alone with the opposite sex. That's why we ask all our small group leaders never be alone with the opposite sex because we don't trust your flesh. We don't trust our flesh. What we trust is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when you and I are in covenant relationship with Jesus, then we can be in covenant relationship with one another. Then there's something secure to hold on to. Then there's something secure. And some of you have lost security in marriages because of that other person's humanity. Some of you have lost security in churches because of the preacher or the leadership's humanity. Friend, can I tell you something? All other forms of security will fail you but one. But one. He is the source of security. Isn't it interesting that at his baptism, God the Father didn't send Mary over there. Good job, buddy. I'm so proud of you, Jesus. High five. You're going to do great. I'm so proud of you. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Isn't it amazing that some great scholar or some rabbi didn't come and fall at his feet and say, finally, the Messiah has come. I have faith in you that you're going to do great. No, he had to hear it from one and only one, the Father. The Father says, I am well pleased. The Father says, you are mine. And this is what's lacking in some of you. Every time you look in the mirror, you don't hear the Father saying, I'm well pleased. You don't hear the Father saying, you're mine. What you hear is the enemy saying, yeah, you're going back to that old way. You know that you're not true. You know you don't really mean it. You just go up to that church just to make yourself feel good. And that lie keeps just propagating and propagating. And guess what it does? It causes you to walk in insecurity. And it causes you then to develop insecurity in others. Are you there? Say yes. Here's a couple of symptoms of insecurity. They're not going to be on the board, but just some things that, that I've researched over the years and found to be true. One of the symptoms of insecurity is jealousy. When you've got a person who's strictly jealous, that's because they're not confident in who they are. They're not confident in what they've been given as a role by God. They're jealous of someone else. It's competing. Well, I didn't get to sing. Well, I didn't get to do this. Well, they got to do that. That ain't right. That ain't fair. Blah, 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 blah. They got promoted and I didn't. See, that jealousy is a result of a deep insecurity. When you're secure in Christ, you're like, oh, well, God's got something better for me. God's got something good for me. God will not leave me or abandon me, for I am his favorite. I walk around all the time saying, I'm God's favorite. I'm God's favorite. He likes you too, but I'm his favorite. That's just where I'm at. Here's a second symptom of insecurity, over-dependency. That's why some of you are having such difficulty, because you're over-dependent on somebody else. And as a result of it, that's causing you to crash. Because why? Because that's out of insecurity. Watching all these people on the television from the South Houston, Houston and South Texas area to see that they had depended on, that, on, on their livelihood of working. They depended on their own strength. And all of a sudden, it's all stripped away from them in one flood moment. And, and three, four days, everything that they put safety and security in their home, their place of protection with their little fences around it and their little security, guard, their security cameras and all that. And it's all gone. In a moment, and to see in their eyes the detriment that has now happened, the deep wound of, oh my goodness, that which I was trusting in, that which I was depending upon is now gone. Friend, I tell you right now, we could lose it all. And I promise you, I promise you, I would be happy as a lark. You say, why would you be? Because that's less I have to deal with. Praise God. Just give me some food and some water. All I need is one pair of blue jeans. I'm good to go. And here's, here's another one. Uh, constant anger. That's a symptom of insecurity. Constantly angry, never happy, never satisfied. Uh, low self-confidence. 
Listen, nothing drives me more crazy. I won't let my kids do that. Well, you know, Dad, I just, I, I don't want to try. I'm scared. I want me. I will, I will, who, and you, you'll hear me do this if you're ever around me and my kids. I'll look at them and who are we? And they know to straighten up. We got this little saying, McCain's, and, and we never quit. Say it again. McCain's, and we never quit. Who are we? McCain's, and we never quit. There you go. Now go try again. Don't put up with that. I struck out. I'm not going to try again. Get your butt back up on that. I will knock you out. I am not, I am not raising a bunch of insecure, I'm raising some men and women of God who can change the world, I'm raising up folks in this church who can change the world, who know who they are in Christ, and no matter what comes against them, it will not prosper, why? Because they are God's, they belong to him, isn't that true? Say amen. Poor poor communication skills, deep need for others' approval, these are all symptoms of insecurity, I need them to say, I did good, I need them to pat me on the back, friend, can I tell you something, I used to be that guy. I needed you to say it was so good. It was so awesome. I needed, I needed, I, if you didn't call my name and I had served on a project and, and, the, and the president of the company was saying something and, and didn't mention my name, I would, I would go into a depression for three or four days because my name wasn't called. Man, I tell you, that was a deep-rooted insecurity. And I was trying to get my approval from other people instead of from Christ, the only source from which I can stand in confidence when it comes from the creator of humanity. And he says, you're good, and I'm proud of you. That is the place that no one can shake you from, and that's the place that you and I want to live in. Isn't that good? Say yes. So let me give you three inhibitors for mining your security growth. So, so we're going to talk about the growth that you got to have, and you need to, for this plant to grow, it's going to have the right air. And so if that air is not right, it won't grow properly. So we've got to adjust because some of you aren't growing properly, including myself, because we lack the security that comes from Christ. So let me point out to you three inhibitors because if we can get the inhibitors straight, then we can get the help straight. Isn't that good? Say yes. Number one, the first inhibitor is you and I sometimes get stuck in the past. We get stuck in the past. And we keep referring back to what happened back in the day, and we still live in that same pattern over and over and over again. Can I just tell you something? You're supposed to be new in Christ. All things passed away. Everything's supposed to become new. And you keep referring to yourself as that alcoholic. You keep referring to yourself as that person who's still, still, I'm just struggling, Pastor. Listen, friend, that's awesome and great for you trying to be authentic. But at some point, you got to stop identifying with that and start identifying with who you are in Christ. And you got to let go of that past and say, you know, I'm not that person. I, I, you know, I've done that and I fall to that here and there, but I'm not that person who I I am is I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm God's son. I'm God's daughter. I'm created in his image, in his likeness, and he has a plan to use me to shake nations. I am his and his alone. Until you and I get to that place, we'll keep going back to the past. Going, Oh, it makes me so mad to get around certain people who their whole identity is wrapped in their little disease that they have. So, so wrapped in the fact that they're constantly getting sick and so wrapped in the fact that they're constantly getting fired and so wrapped in the fact that they're poor and they're never going to amount to it. So wrapped in the fact that, you know, they're being cheated and mis- misappropriated. Friend, at some point, you've got to let go of the past and go on into the future what God has for you and be the man, be the woman God made you to be. Let go of it. Stand in the confidence of who you are. I told the first ser- service, my, my pop was here this morning in the first service and uh, when, when my mom and my stepdad got married, I was already probably, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 range, something like that. Well, my, my, my dad, my stepdad, he had had another marriage and had two kids by that other marriage. And he was wicked, didn't serve God, abandoned them, ran off with another woman. And, and, uh, and then, of course, you know, later in the years, met my mom. And then we all got saved. And then we became a family. And now we have this great little family who's trying to serve God together. And we got a little house. And we're living great and going to church and going to all the meetings and trying to be more like Jesus. And God's doing miracles. It's cool. And 
all of a sudden you could tell that dad was trying to reach out to his kids and love them and they wouldn't come visit with him and they were angry at what he had done in the past and, and they were right he had, he had misappropriated them but here we were a couple years into Christ and dad's trying and he's feeling all this guilt and he's all shameful and he doesn't want to call them he doesn't want to you know go see them because you know all they do is give him a hard time about not being a good enough dad and finally my mom set his butt down and said let me tell you something that's old Mike McCain that Mike McCain's dead you're new in Christ stop living in the guilt of what you didn't do right 20 years ago by these kids or 10 years ago by these kids and you need to look them in the eye and tell them I didn't do you right I repent of that I've repented a hundred times I'm not doing it ever again I'm not repenting one more time this is me I'm going to serve God if you let me love you I will and if you don't good riddance but I'm not going to live in the guilt of the past and he set them down. He did exactly that. Can I tell you something? They wept. He wept. They, we all became a, one big happy family. They started coming every weekend. They weren't jealous of me. I wasn't jealous of them. It was magnificent. All because he let go of the past. He stopped living in the past. You keep living in the past. And you got to get past that and get on with your life. Here's the second inhibitor of your security growth. And that is misplaced trust. Misplaced trust. Number two, misplaced trust. Number two, misplaced trust. Click that back there on the screen. There you go. I love you so much. Misplaced trust. Uh, some of us have put our trust in our ability and that education. You spent eight years getting that education. You can't figure out why you broke. You mad at life because you worked so hard. You put your trust in a system. You put your trust in a group of people. You put your trust in a counselor. You put your trust in your own ability. Friend, I tell you, there's nothing more eye-opening when you can't do what you thought you could do. Grow up a little bit, get a little older, and realize, oh my God, I can't dunk a basketball. I can't even get out of bed after playing basketball. <laughs> and the thrill is gone. I mean, it's like, what happened to me? I grew old. It's an amazing experience. You know, I had lived my whole life with a calling from God since I was a little boy. The calling was so clear. Everywhere I went, prophets would stop and call me out of a room. He said, young man... You're going to be a revivalist for the younger generation. You're going to preach on stages overseas. Millions of people come to know Christ. Miracles will happen. Deliverances will happen. Everywhere you go, God's called you to transform a younger generation. I lived that out. My 20s, my 30s, and my 40s, that's what my dream was. God told me to do it. I was doing it. Every part of it was so wonderful. It was so purpose-filled. I, would, I, I was running a Bible school. I was traveling, preaching all of these conferences overseas. They'd pick me up in a big fine car at the hotel and bring me over into the green room and have my little mints and have a little special thing. I'd get out there and preach, and they oh, my God, you're the greatest. they buy all my CDs, all my product. Man, it was awesome. I'd come home and love on my family for a couple of days and go do it again. It was awesome. I was living the dream. I was a Christian pop star. It was awesome and then God says hey I want you to plant a church in Cedar Hill start all over I'm like I don't don't know how to do that I didn't prepare my life to do that in my 40s but nevertheless not my will be done but thy will be done and I'm telling you I would sit in our little house and some of y'all would come to our church and most of you that visited in those days just kept driving right on past we didn't, we'd have a building, we'd try to have little meetings and stuff, and, and it was beautiful, but it was horrible all at the same time. There was no growth, and we were terrible at services, and we weren't, we, 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 everybody wanted to leave worship because they were all a bunch of Christ for the Nation students, and nobody wanted to help <laughs> kids' ministry, and kids' ministry was tough, and, and, and it just was bad, man, it was bad, and I was so miserable because I knew, I knew that I didn't know what I was doing. I was mad that he would do this to me because why? In that moment, what he was doing was he was releasing me from my trust in my own abilities. 
and teaching me to trust in him and him alone. And then here we are a few years later, and you're here, and I'm here, and somehow he's done miracles, and uh, it's beautiful. But it's when you and I let go of trying to figure out how to do it in our own strength, and we put our trust in everything but Jesus. Look what Psalms 9, 10 says. Beautiful. This is one you need to memorize. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. One more slide, guys. Next slide. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Is it there? It's not there. Okay. That's Psalm. No wonder you're looking at me crazy. Psalms 910. Write that down. You can look at it later. For those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. He won't forsake you and me. He can't do it. It's not in his ability. Just like God can't lie, he can't forsake those who are his. That's what his word says. He will never do it. Put our trust in him. Here's the third and final one. This will help you. Here's the third and final, if you will, inhibitors to your security growth in your life. That is number three, disobedience to God's word. Disobedience to God's word. Disobedience to God's word is what's creating some of the insecurity in your life. And let me bring you to Luke chapter 6. What a crazy, timely scripture for what's happening in South Texas right now. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? We're in verse 46 of Luke chapter 6. For you guys that are dyslexic, that would be 64, 6, e cool. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because, he, it, because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and do not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house... It collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus is saying, listen, those of you who hear me and obey my teachings, those of you who listen to what I'm telling you and obey them, he said, what you're like, you're like that dude who goes out and buys a piece of property, strips all the, the ground down to the bare rock, and then puts a foundation, pulls that concrete pillars down deep into that rock, puts that concrete down on top of it, and he says, and then builds his house and says, and what happens is when that great storm, that tornado, or that hurricane, or whatever comes, and it shakes and it pulls and it tugs, and yet that house will still be standing. But others of you that come and you hear what I say, you go to church and you go, mm, that's nice. I want to do my little due diligence and get a little bit of the Bible and make myself feel good. He said, those of you who just do that and don't obey what I'm telling you, he says, that's like taking you and building your big old fine house without laying any foundation. Just put it out in the middle of the dirt. And when the storm comes, when the winds come, when the water comes, it's just going to destroy it all. And you're going to be there empty, homeless houses, all because you did not build on the right foundation. And the foundation is what my word says. What I say is truth. And that disobedience is what's caused so many of us such insecurity. Like when he says, for example, love your neighbors. He says, forgive those who are your enemies. Speak kindly of them. What? That goes against everything. Give, and it will be given back to you. See, those things all work against our natural concept of how we should build. But friend, can I tell you something? The moment that you start walking in submission to his word, it's such a security. I'm not worried about nothing. Listen, I love you with all my heart. But if you come to me and say, Pastor Adam, I don't believe this is a good church. I don't want to be at this church. I'm going to say, oh, God bless you. I hope it works out for you. Why? Because I'm just obeying his word the best I know how. 
And so there's such security and safety in that. I'm not living my own philosophy. I'm not living my own doctrine. I'm just obeying what he said to do. And in that, there's such safety and such security. Wouldn't, wouldn't your kid be smarter if they just listened to you? Have you ever thought about that? Yes, you say, you say it all the time to them. I know. I'm always telling them, listen, go ahead, try it then. Go ahead, stick your fork in that electrical socket. Let's see what happens then. No, I wouldn't do that. I'm just kidding. Somebody just reported me to CPS. You can't. My kids are already older than that. But can you imagine if they would just listen, right? You say, listen, I'm not doing this to keep you from having fun. I'm telling you, this is for your own good. This will help you. That's what God's saying in his word. Listen, obey me. If you obey me, you'll have such, it's such safety and security, confidence. I can walk into a room saying, look, I just did what God told me to do. And man, if you don't like that, I'm so sorry. I, I, I hate that. That's unfortunate. God bless you. And here's why. And I can point it out where he showed me in scripture what he wants me to do. Friend, you and I can grow in our security. You don't have to walk into a room anymore and hear people laughing and wonder if they're laughing at you. You don't, you don't have to be upset that no one patted you on the back and, and, made, and stroked your ego and made you feel good at work just because you came up with a bright idea that made them millions of dollars and you didn't even get a raise. You don't have to, you don't have to live in the expectation that fear and difficulty is going to come to your life. You can live in security that God's got you right in the palm of his hand and that no weapon formed against you can prosper. All those that rise up against you shall fall. And at the end of it all, even if you suffer loss, you cannot suffer the loss of eternity because you are in his hand. He loves you. He He's for you and he's with you. You and I have to grow in our security. And here's the beauty of what I've learned in my vast research on the internet for about 10 minutes about growing plants. There's another dynamic that is known by those who are horticulturalists, however you say it. And that is this, that for plants and vegetation To grow and produce the fruit they're supposed to, they need two things on top of all the other things we mentioned. They need time and space. What I love about Church on the Hill, what I love about you, is is that we understand that you're not going to be secure just because you heard a message today. Bless God, I'm secure. Look into that mirror every morning. I'm the man. Say it again. I'm the man. You know? It's not going to happen overnight. What you need is time and space. It's going to happen a little bit at a time. It's happened for me a little bit at a time. I was the most insecure kid you ever knew. Things happened that shouldn't have happened. I just was dealt a bad hand early on in life. Some of you have been dealt bad hands. So what are you going to do? Sit around crying about that? I did and created such an insecurity in me because I got dealt a bad hand. But then I came in Christ. And what happened with Christ is he started saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You're my son and I love you. I'll not abandon you. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. And every time I would sin and repent, he said, oh, why? stop being so hard on yourself. I forgive you. Go on. Pick yourself up. Dust off. Let's go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. And the more I kept moving, the more I got a little closer to security. The more I got a little more confident in who I was in Christ. The more I started realizing that my identity wasn't wrapped in what I did, but what, uh, what he was doing in me. See, that's the key piece for me, was I was wrapped in what I accomplished or didn't accomplish made me feel good or bad about myself. Until one day he revealed to me, Adam, I'm less concerned about what you're doing and more concerned about what you're becoming. See, I want to be a man who can sincerely smile in the midst of tragedy. I want to be a man who actually looks like Jesus and acts like Jesus 
in those circumstances. I want to be real and authentic. I'm not there yet, and neither are you, but at least I know that I have time and space in Christ. He's not expecting it to happen tomorrow. Isn't that good? Somebody ought to shout amen because we have time and space. Would you stand with me all across the room? You guys have been magnificent this morning. I hope that this has started you on the journey of growth. My prayer and belief is that by the end of these four weeks, we're going to have a tomato feast. I'm pretty confident that these three plants won't feed us all, so I'm going to have to recruit some more plants. I'm just going to say that out front. And so just know that we're going to eat some tomatoes by the end of this thing. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me for a moment? Let me just minister to you for the next couple minutes. With your head bowed and your eye closed, I hope that this illustration has made some sense to you. God wants you healthy. He knows that you have these four basic soul needs that have to be met. He wants to help you remove the the pieces that are keeping you from being healthy in these areas. I know each and every one of us have struggled to trust the Lord and, and not just trust our own ability. We all need to become more secure. We all need to let go of the past. We all need to learn to depend upon the Lord more than we depend upon ourselves and our money and our income sources. We all need to learn to obey his word more. But I'll tell you, I'm so grateful that he gives us time. He didn't expect it to be all figured out just because of one sermon. So as you stand there with your head bowed and your eye closed, where have you been disobedient? What comes up in your spirit? What comes up in your heart and your mind? Where have you disobeyed the Lord? You feel a little guilt and shame about that. Would you just repent of that right where you stand? I want you to be confident in the Lord. It's amazing. People who are living in hidden sin, how much insecurity they they propagate, how much they give off insecurity. You sense it when you're around them. That guilt is just shaming them. And Jesus didn't want that. That's why he gave this beautiful control-alt-delete button called repent. Have you been a person who's created insecurity in others? Is your husband confident that you're faithful to him? Is your boss confident that you're not perusing the internet trying to find another job? Your kids, they know that they know that you're going to be there no matter what happens in life. Are they fearful that if they displease you, you're going to lose your mind? Friend, if you're that person, you just go ahead and say, Lord, help me with that. Your insecurity is causing insecurities in others. Do you have to be patted on the back every time, acknowledged, stroked? Does your validation come from knowing Christ, knowing that you did your best, and that's good enough? Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would help us, Lord. Help us all, Lord. Lord, solidify security in who we are. We need that in our life. Lord, we need to know that no matter what happens, you're always going to be there. We need to understand who we are in you, Jesus. We need revelation. Lord, for men and women in this room, I don't want to preach some ethereal thing that they can't grab a hold to. Lord, would you reveal who they are, how much you love them. Lord, would you help them let go of the past, that old identity, that they're the poor kid, that they're they're the stupid one, that they're the one that's not as smart as everybody else, that they're the fat one, that they're the skinny one, that they're, oh my God, Lord, could you just help us let that go? Look into the mirror and see you looking back, saying, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm pleased with you. I love you just as you are.
Would you help us with that, Lord? Would you keep your head bowed and your eye closed? I want to give a call to anyone in the room and say, Pastor, i got to be honest. You're sitting here ministering to Christians. And I was. I, I was preaching as though you were a Christian who loved the Lord and trying to help you grow. But maybe, you need, maybe the truth of the matter is you're not, even, you're not even seed in the ground. You're not even made Jesus your Lord. Maybe you've never been a Christian. Or maybe you used to be a Christian, but life happened and you walked away from God. And Either situation, you're not confident that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Friend, I got good news for you. You don't have to leave this place today like that. I can help you with some security. See, what Jesus did 2,000 years ago is he paid for every sin you'll ever commit. He already prepaid for it. You say, well, how do I access that? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Word of God says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, he will cleanse you. He'll forgive you from all unrighteousness. Right here, that's all we have to do is ask for his forgiveness. Make him the Lord of our life through a verbal commitment. Wow, what a great God. So today I want to give you that opportunity. If you're away from God or you've never been a Christian, would you be bold enough and courageous enough to say it's time for a change? Would you, be, would you admit to yourself it's time? Maybe you've been coming for a couple weeks. Maybe it's your first time with us. But you know inside of your heart that, you, that if you die today, you wouldn't go to heaven. Let's change that right now. Let's change it. Let's, let's make a commitment to Christ. I won't call you forward. I won't embarrass you. But I do want you to acknowledge it to yourself and to the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're away from God and today you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you're ready to repent. You're ready to say, that's it. I'm ready. I'm ready to change. If that's you, would you throw your hand up right where you're standing? Raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. It's time for me to serve the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time. I'm ready to repent. I'm ready to change. I'm going to pray with you right where you're at. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I need you to make that decision. Thank you, sweet love. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. Okay, I see your hand. You can put it back down. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? About three seconds. We'll move on. I just don't want you to leave this place in the misery. Yeah, God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. I don't want you to leave this place in the misery of not knowing. I want you secure. I want to secure you to Christ, the rock that will never, never be destroyed. A firm foundation for your life. Anyone else? Amen. Thank you, sir. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance. In fact, I'm going to get everyone in the audience to pray it out loud with you. And I want you to mean this. Thank you, sir. I want you to mean it. Thank you. With all of your heart. All I want you to do is just mean it. God's with you. You came here. You wanted God. He sees that. He's so proud of you. Now let's seal the deal by giving our lives to him and making that a verbal commitment right here and now. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life, my desires, my wants, and I declare that you are my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. I'm so ashamed, but I ask you now, wash away the shame. Give me confidence in our relationship. Jesus, write my name in your book of life. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because Jesus, you are now my Lord forever. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for those who lifted their hand. Those who said that prayer out loud but didn't quite get their hand up. They meant it. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that they would feel the peace that comes from being right. The confidence to go out 40 days out in the wilderness and go gangbusters against Satan himself because God the Father is with us. Father, I thank you right now, Lord God, that you forgive, that you heal, that you love, that we don't have to perform for that love, that, Lord God, all we have to do is accept it. So, Lord, I thank you now 
for so many lives that were changed. And I pray, Lord God, that through this week, that our confidence, that our security in you would build. And that, Lord, we'd recognize who we are in you. Lord, give us great resources. Give us breakthroughs in areas that have held, us, held on to us from the past. Lord, give us, give us the courage to, to be obedient in areas we've been disobedient in. Because, Lord God, we need that basic, that basic element. We need that security in you. Thank you for giving it to us. In Jesus' name.